Money Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And boy, Aaron, I think it's a little harsh that you banished Paul to Antarctica. Well, <laughs> you know, when you act out like Paul has, the only really thing that you can do is to send him to an Arctic wasteland. When Paul decides to be a bitch about North America, he gets sent to Antarctica. That's right, Paul. Or the Phantom Zone. <laughs> we should have totally sent him to the Phantom Zone. Damn it. Next we could time. at least do that. Or the Negative no, Zone. Let him that's hang for out with, Andrew. We let him go to the Negative Zone and hang out with Annihilus and Blastar. Uh, that's, that's where Andrew is now. Mm. That dick. <laughs> so speaking of dick, how about Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have I have a fairly funny Valentine's Day story. Oh, hit us, Tim. All right, so um, I my I asked the I said Valentine's Day is coming up, and I and I you know what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? And she says I want to go see uh, Yippee Kaye Die Hard Six or whatever it's called from Russia with Love. <laughs> I don't know what the name of this thing is. <laughs> and so I said, is that really what you want to have for Valentine's Day? <laughs> and she says, Yeah, I want to go see that. So uh, we go and watch the movie, and um, it, it was exactly what I thought it would be. It was fun. It was popcorn fun. And uh, uh, this is this is where I, I uh, I'm telling I don't want this part of the story may cost me the couch, but I don't care. <laughs> so, so stay um, true to your art, Tim. <laughs> it's too funny not to tell. So we got we got this big old thing of. Of pop, right? And so I drank, you know, two thirds of it. She's like, well, "You want to get a free refill?" I'm like, "Eh." She's like, "Go ahead and get a refill. It's free." It's like, All right, fine, whatever. So I get my pop, and uh, she was scraping off the car because you know we live in Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, I was gonna put the pop in in the car because uh, we both drove separately. So she's like, "Don't spill the popcorn," because she put it right in the seat. Right. And so I'm putting the pop in, and like the lid kind of comes off. Okay. So I spill pop like on the, on the front seat. So I'm laughing because I didn't spill the popcorn. <laughs> and she comes over here and she comes over and I'm laughing. I'm, I'm just giggling. And she's like, what is it? I said, I got good news and bad news. <laughs> so she, she looks and she's like, she's like, you dumbass. How hard is it? She grabs the pop and she's like, how hard is it to put a pop in pop in the car without spilling? And then she spilled the rest of it. <laughs> and I've, I've, I'm grabbing my knees laughing so hard. And and then she threw the cup at me and told me GTFO. <laughs> so, uh, I I actually have a soda related story from this week as well, except I don't call it pop. You call it soda. Exactly. Uh-huh. So I'm in the kitchen grabbing a, uh, a soda earlier in the week and my wife yells out, hey, make me a waffle. I'm like, oh, OK. Is that, is that some kind of sexual term? No, she actually wanted a waffle. So I open the freezer. I set my drink down, grab the box of waffles, open it, forget about my drink and just leave it in there. If anyone's left a soda in the freezer, you know that they'll eventually blow up. So the next day I'm at work and I get a text from my wife. Apparently she'd opened the freezer. It hadn't blown up yet, but it had popped out. So she grabs this frozen soda from the freezer, sets it in the sink turns around and the moment she turns around this thing explodes and she gets nailed in the back by shrapnel of exploding soda (laughs) parts of the metal are flying around and there's just everywhere there's soda on ceiling on the walls like the biggest explosion ever and i get this text at work and i'm like 
I'm really glad this happened during the day because she'll be a little she'll be calmed down by the time I get home. I have to ask Wayne, was the text addressed to motherfucking cocksucking motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) There was subtext to that. Yeah. Yeah. I am pretty sure that that's how that would be addressed to me. (laughs) So so, so two things. The first thing is I love Wayne's IED idea. That was phenomenal. Good good job. Good effort. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is we're going to have a, 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 a random spur of the moment contest. Uh-huh. Fans, if you want to, if you know what the waffle is, please post on this, <laughs> on this link and let us know what the waffle is. <laughs> I'd like, know, to know. Uh, <laughs> not the blue waffle. Jonathan no. Lambert already told yeah. me what that is. Yeah. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't unknow that one. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I love the fact that Wayne describes that story like it was an accident. Like, oh, I accidentally <laughs> left it. You know what he left it in the fridge? He, he imagined that the house would just erupt like nuclear style. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he was like you know, setting a bomb in the fridge. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I've done in the past. I've you know taken a soda that wasn't cold yet, threw it in the freezer, left it in for like ten minutes or so, let it get cold, and pull it out, or forget to pull it out and open the freezer, and it's been exploded. And I, I've dealt with that anger before when she opens the door and there's. You know, all over the freezer. This was just a new level that it exploded behind her back, and she got nailed in the back by soda shrapnel. Oh, Wayne! So Happy clear, Day, clearly, clearly, Wayne's wife is leaving him, much like Jeff Johns is leaving Green Lantern. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> <laughs> they, they need some some pink lantern rings over there. There you go. There you the go. Love the, lo- the love. The love. Not the lady. best in the business for nothing, kids. so yeah this may uh green lantern issue 20 and um is jeff john's last issue on the title he is wrapping up everything he started since green lantern rebirth all those many years ago and joining him are tony peter milligan and pete damasi everyone is leaving the green lantern titles at the same time Ending this I thought long, I, epic run. Didn't I see something yesterday, though, that Pete Tomasi was going to go over and do the main Green Lantern book? Well, there hasn't been any announcements yet, but the rumor is that Pete Tomasi may take over the main Green Lantern book, um, possibly with uh, Joshua Hill, Fialkoff, Robert Vendetti, and Justin Jordan taking over the other titles. But um, it, 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 nothing official has been announced. That's just the rumors based on the, the DC creative retreat they had last weekend in Charlotte that I didn't get invited to. I hate that for you, Paul. That's just yeah. that's just you've been snubbed. Is what and you didn't crash it? Well, I didn't know where I was. No one, you know, what's funny. Like the Marvel retreat, everyone was treat. It was tweeting during it. The DC retreat, everyone went quiet. Very frustrating. I was hoping to figure out where they were based on what they were talking about. <laughs> no luck, huh, Paul? He was hoping no, to no. triangulate their location. Yeah, despite you know, oh, we're eating at Snubby's barbecue. Oh, okay, I know where it is. But no, no, no. We're here, we're here at Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> We're eating at a steak and shake <laughs> somewhere in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I'm not currently reading Green Lantern, but but Paul, I know you and Wayne are. What is that going to do to your interest in the title? You know, with Jeff Johns leaving. Honestly, uh, it might be a good jumping off point because I am tired of one big giant storyline leading right into another big giant storyline. Yeah, but see, that's what Jeff Johns did, though. I mean, that, that, so I don't know if they, they will continue with that after he leaves. I mean, I just, for me, honestly, the the rumored writers, they're they're not enough to get me excited about it. I mean, I, I really like Pete Tomasi, though. 
Yeah. See, I just buy too many books, so I'm looking for excuses to drop books at this point. Sure. Any excuse you can give me is a good one for me to drop a book because I spend way too much every week. Yeah. And that's right. Did Jeff Johns just decide to leave Green Lantern so he could write Vibe? Is that the career path that he's decided for himself? (laughs) Well, honestly, what I think is because it's Jeff Johns and Doug Mankey leaving the title, and to go on an as yet unannounced title, I'm I'm thinking they'll be doing the Trinity War crossover. I I was thinking it was going to be the new Cyborg solo monthly book. No, I know he's writing Vibe. (laughs) I saw the ad for it. Uh, I just I, I, I. for me, him leaving the title really kind of takes away my interest from it. No one they've announced has got me excited, really. I mean, yeah, I like Pete Tomasi and all that, but I mean, what Jeff Johns did to the book I, I, is the reason I've been reading Green Lantern. So, I, I, will I give it a shot? Maybe. But um, I, I could say my interest is definitely diminished once Jeff John leaves the title. Yeah, there are only two writers that would uh, that make me say that I've liked Green Lantern because I've never been a big Green Lantern fan. The only two writers that have got me interested were you know were him and Ron Mars. Yeah, you know, yeah, they that, need to get Ron Mars it. back on that. You get Ron and, Mars back on it, I'll pick it up. FYI, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, because you know, I, I love Ron, but the. Uh, I think he'd need to go in a whole new direction. I don't know that he that the that, that you can put that lightning back in the bottle with Kyle Rayner. True, true. You know, so I mean, a lot of what I think that we respond to is how much we enjoy those Kyle Rayner stories. But the I did not overly enjoy the Kyle Rayner story that he did uh, right before the launch of the new Fifty Two. Oh, the 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 retroactive yeah the retroactive oh, see, i did i really liked the retro one i thought it felt like it fit perfectly in pace with the original you know green lantern run he did i think what i'd really like to see is see ron mars turned loose in the current green lantern uh mythology though you know and not necessarily try and you know bring us back into kyle rayner but just trying to do something with what's already been established well yeah because yeah. the real power i think of the the kyle stuff at that point was that he was given a completely blank slate to do what he wanted with it yeah and that's what i'd like to see if they ever brought him back onto green lantern i would want him to do the same not yeah. just put him on kyle exactly. i don't want to see him writing kyle as he is now i yeah. want to see him get that blank slate again of okay do what you want and, and just I, see what he does. I absolutely agree, Wayne. I think that's exactly why we responded so well to what he did with Kyle Rayner was, you know, that 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 whole we're resetting and, and able to tell our own Green Lantern stories. So, yeah, no, I'd love to see what uh, Ron would do with with what's out there right now. Yeah. I mean, I would, there are a couple of writers like out of out of the box writers that I'd love to see on the title. You know, Brian Wood, I think, could do a good Green Lantern book. Um, he's doing that current Star Wars book from Dark Horse. Um, you know, you know what would be interesting for me is if for like six months, DC switched their architects with Marvel's architects. Yeah, because I, I I could see Bendis doing the you know headlining the Green Lantern books. I could see that. You know, I I, I would read that book. Six months oh, isn't every, long enough for Bendis to tell a story, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, everyone yeah, knows that I would buy absolutely anything that Mark Wade writes. So if Mark Wade were sent over to DC to write some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, I would read a Damian Wayne title if Mark Wade wrote it. And then you could get Dan Slott doing uh, Superman or something. You need Dan Slott doing Superboy. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't know. I, I don't know who they're going to get to replace them. I mean, other than the rumored guys, but Jeff Johns really just, 
when you think about Green Lantern now, a lot of what you think about was stuff that Jeff Johns brought. Oh yeah, sure. You know, you Grant know? Morrison is finishing up his run on action. Stop it. They could move him over to Green Lantern, and then I know I wouldn't need to buy it anymore. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you know who they could get to do him? Wait, well, who, who they should get to do him is uh, Abnett and Lanning. I would love Abnett and Lanning on uh, Green Lantern. I think yeah, they, I, I think they would be fantastic on Green Lantern because you know they did such a great job with Nova over on uh, Marvel. Yeah, hell, they can write all four Green Lantern books. Yeah, and, and connect them like they did the the Marvel Cosmic books. Yeah, no, I, I'd love that I, just as much as I'm going to love DNA on the Battlestar Galactica book that's about to come out. I'm a little concerned about this, Aaron. Why are you concerned about this? So, you know, so what we're talking about, Dynamite had actually two announcements this week. Well, I think we um, need to say it like Jimmy J.J. Walker would. Dynamite! Dynamite! <laughs> two announcements this week. Um, they're doing a grim book based on the TV series written by David Greenwald, the uh, co-creator of Angel and the creator of Grimm. So that's pretty big news. Um, but they're also doing a classic Battlestar Galactica book, you know, the classic a continuity written by DNA. And you seem excited about this, Aaron. Well, you know, I, I've actually enjoyed the uh, classic stories told in the Battlestar Galactica universe, and I love Abnett and Lanning, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I, I'm looking forward to it. And I it, know, I just... Go ahead. Well, and, and what, they're, what the uh, blurb said about the series is that um, uh, some of the characters from the series are, are you know, somehow travel into an alternate reality where there are no Cylons, where there are is no Galactica, there's no way back, that kind of thing. And that just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I feel like I, 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 there have been multiple books. There was even a Rob Liefeld book. Um, oh, that book that sucked. Over. Yeah. That book <laughs> sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that showed the original Battlestar Galactica, Galactica continuity. And I just, I can't get into them. And I don't know why. I just can't get into them. Maybe you know, I, I didn't watch the original Battlestar Galactica when it was on TV. Mm-hmm. But I've not read a comic series that does not appeal to the non-fan of that original series. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have to be steeped in that continuity and know it before you can read anything that I've seen that's been released. And uh, for me, that's uh, that, that's just uh, that's not me. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I do like DNA though. Yeah, I do too. You know who I you know who I like DNA more than uh, Orson Scott Card. I think everyone likes DNA more than Orson Scott Card. I think most people like syphilis more than they like Orson Scott Card. <laughs> wow! So, I always thought he was popular. I mean, when he came on to to write the Ultimate uh, Iron Man comic was, as far as I know, it was the first comic he ever did. Everyone was going on about you know what a wonderful writer he was and how amazing this was going to be. And then I picked those issues up. Yeah, they're not. And very they good. were horrible. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never read any of his big sci-fi stuff. Ender's Game, haven't read it. Don't know. Can't really speak on those. But when it comes to writing comic books, the comic books he's written are bad. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read anything that he's done in the comic book universe that I've liked. Yeah, and he has a following. You know, I he mean, does. He, he he does have quite a significant following, despite his, his personal you know. Uh, beliefs and what we're talking about here is DC recently announced the Adventures of Superman um, digital series followed by a print series collecting the, the digital first issues. And the first two digital issues um, are written by Orson Scott Card. And uh, the, the the big controversy is, you know, Orson Scott Card is very, very, very anti-gay. Um, you know, he, he's you know said very derogatory terms. 
um, towards gay people, and he's just, you know he's very out there with his uh, anti-gay sentiment. Um, and uh, I think that a lot of folks are taking issue with him being hired to write Superman, who is you know all for truth and justice and equality and all that. And um, there are even certain comic shops, including Dallas's own Zeus Comics, that are not going to be carry carrying the first uh, print issue, which is you know. I, which is poor Jeff Parker because he got saddled with that third issue, that yeah. third digital issue that gets collected there. Collected there, but um, and they they were just the first. There are actually a good number of folks who are following suit and not carrying that first print issue of uh, Adventures of Superman. I just think no. that's crazy, personally. Not I mean, my, not carrying the book. Yes, my mindset is that people should treat you know judge the work, not the not necessarily the artist behind it. If this were something relating to his personal views and he disliked his personal views, that's a different story. I don't personally want to know the personal views of any of the creators. I didn't know about any of the, these issues with Orson Scott Card until today. Now that I know about him, it doesn't really change my opinion of him. You know, when it comes to his creative works, it might change my opinion of him personally, but that's a whole other issue. His creative uh, works are separate. If I had a problem with someone's personal views and didn't read their books because of it, I wouldn't read anything that Alex Ross ever does because uh, I have a huge issues with Alex Ross and some of the things that he's said. Well, I slanted a little bit because I, I read this and one of the people who was quote unquote taking a stand is like, we're not getting Superman unless you pre-already pre-ordered it. Like, what kind of pussy half move is that? <laughs> do it or don't do it. <clears throat> I, I agree I there. That is a uh, that is a pussy move. Bullshit move is that. Yeah. Um, I, I understand Wayne's thoughts, but and I'm not I'm not comparing him anyway. But if Hitler was a really good pianist, I don't think I could listen to his music. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people I, enjoy his book. Oh, well, I've never I, read it, but I, in, I, you know, are, are we I, talking about the uh, mind mind com- com- yes. mind com- yeah. gra- graphic <laughs> novel? Hey, Comixology has that right now, and uh, it's it's good reading. You know, it's it's ninety nine cents per chapter. They did it over you know a, a series of several weeks. Yeah, I I've never read it, but I know a lot of people have and love it. They you wanna, that hate you Hitler. Wanna, just you saying. Talk well, about sensitivity. They made Schlagman be the editor for that. <laughs> I don't I don't think that uh, people enjoy Mein Kampf. I I think people. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it as a as a look into that side of history and that that point in history. I don't know if people like put down that book and go, God damn, they should make a movie out well, of that. I, I'm looking forward to the uh, you know Mind Kampf two this time with personal. <laughs> I, I understand Frank Miller is going to be writing that, and uh, you know uh, it's got good press. You know, no, and, and, I. I, I I don't have a problem with people's personal views. I think where where I draw the line is when you're a member of a group that actively seeks to, you know, uh, that would actually actively seek to hurt me. So, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not actively gay, uh, and I'm not (laughs) passively. That's right, and I'm not uh, in a gay marriage. But were I someone who was, I would take great offense. Um, to somebody who – I think there's a, there's a big difference between somebody saying, you know, I really can't support gay marriage. Between, and then somebody who is a member of a group that actively seeks to limit your rights. You know, it's not yeah. it's no longer a personal view. It's a, a an active political stance. And at that point, I think a boycott is absolutely appropriate. You know, and I, I would agree there. If someone, yeah. uh, if someone feels that way and says, I will not buy his products because – 
you know, because I feel that way and I'm, I'm boycotting him. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with that. It's just, I said, I personally don't do that because I find so much, most of the media, the people behind it are all scumbags that (laughs) I disagree with just about everything they have to say. Such as the hosts of this podcast. (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, if I, I've, I've been boycotting Paul for years. Yeah, for years, but I can still yeah, show exactly. up every week. <laughs> that's just—I mean—that's just my take on it. I mean, I understand boycotting something because you're anti the person behind it. I get that. I personally don't do that, though. I try to avoid knowing. You know, it's none of my business what Orson Scott Card does on his on a personal level. What organizations he's involved in, I don't want to know that because it'll it could flavor my interest in his stuff. Well, and, I just like him because I don't like his writing. Exactly. Well, and you know, um, I don't know if I'm going to pick up Adventures of Superman digital issue one or not, but I know I'm excited about the rest of the run. Yeah. Oh, do you want to go, Tim? Well, I was just going to say I found it amusing that Paul decides that Mein Kampf was not a good book because he pulled all the penguins. I could just see him in Antarctica passing out. <laughs> the penguins didn't care for. Him. Do you strongly agree that this was a good book, or strongly disagree? Yeah. We're somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I actually think that you know, Zeus Comics has a justifiable reason not to support this book, and you yeah. know, I, I think that that's within their right as as a realtor, you know, or not, uh, you know, as a Taylor, yeah. <laughs> you're not a real. They don't sell property. They sell comic books. Not yet, uh, but it's uh, going to become <laughs> Zeus Comics toys and real estate. <laughs> I personally just don't want my comic book store making political statements on well, the books they and buy. I, I do think that's that's a risk. You know, um, now I don't think that's going to be a problem for Zeus because of of the customer base that they have. I think they're yeah. This is switch. a this is a yeah. safe one, but who yeah. knows what the next thing is? You but know? you know, I'll All tell right. you no, what. I'm throw something out. But oh, it, when when the death of Superman occurred, uh, the comic shop that I was shopping at that time made a decision that you know this wasn't really a good story, that this was just a big marketing move, and they did not order. They made a decision not to order beyond their standard pulls. And so when I got to the store that day, there wasn't a copy of Superman, not because they had such a giant run on them, but because they didn't order enough to support what they knew was going to happen. And they they had made it known that, you know, we're not going to pull extras. Um, And so I haven't shopped there since because that was a bad businessman. Right. And I haven't shopped there since because of that, because he he wanted to make a statement that he didn't care for the artistic direction on Superman. He made that decision for me as a customer, and I have not shopped there since. Yeah, that would make me angry. I would avoid a shop after that because it is not the shop owner's place to tell me whether a book is good or not. I agree. And I think that's the danger of any boycott at the retailer level. I think that the boycott should probably happen at the customer level. And That's how I, I feel. And I, while I, I support Zeus Comics's uh, uh, support and applaud, really their decision to make that boycott. Boy, that is a big roll of the dice because you could have somebody walk in and say, "Yeah, I want Adventures of Superman number one." Well, we decided not to pull it, and you could lose your customer that day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be wise to not make a political stance with every customer who comes in and asks for it. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think you need to to, and I don't, I'm not saying that they would do that. You know, yeah. they don't. The cust- every customer doesn't need a lecture to say, "I'm sorry, we don't have it." Yeah. Um, but I, 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 like you said, I, I do, I do think that they were that they are justified in their right to to not carry the retailer. Mm-hmm. You know, just like um, 
I don't know. Like, like, you know, no, the guy can't get a job because of his anti-Semitic rants, and mm-hmm. you know, justifiably so. And you know, Orson Scott Card has said some rather derogatory things. What and, I'm really uh, curious know, about I, with I, this I, Orson Scott Card thing is when did he say these? Is this recent? Because he's done yeah. comic books before, so it's is ongoing. This never com- okay. Well, I, I think wondering, did I, this never happen before because he didn't do it yet, or because no. he's written comics before and we've never seen. This I think that well, keep in mind I, the internet wasn't as strong when Ultimate Iron Man came out. Well, but also that. also consider the fact that it's the hero that it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. Superman who is supposed to you know uh, truth, justice in the American way, and you know stands for you know. Stands for a lot of things for a lot of people, and then That's you add in, you add in the fact that DC has really been marketing to a larger, more diverse population in this new Fifty Two, and it seems a little counterintuitive to you know get somebody who is so anti one segment of the population that you've been trying to hit. Yeah, you know? agreed, agreed. And you know what? You know what? You know what? Got card comics lately, like the. The Ender's Game stuff, they put some of that in comic form, I thought, and I didn't hear anyone... Uh... Yeah, I think it's Superman and New 52. I think it, I think it's the how those things have intersected in the story. Yeah, and everyone knows Marvel hates gay people, so <laughs> they, they, they anticipate it from Marvel. But from DC, they expect a little bit more open-mindedness. Well, speaking of the American way, <laughs> let's talk about capitalism on full display here. New York Toy Fair 2013 came out. And yes. I see money leaving my pocket. <laughs> lots and yes. lots of it. Yeah, I don't even see money making it to my pocket. I think I'm just going to have a direct deposit from my account whenever these things come out. <laughs> just a direct deposit, right? Yeah, just get out my check. So I, um, where I think a lot of my money is going to go out of some of these announcements where I had actually heard a few months ago they finally worked out some of the legal issues they've had around the old Adam West Batman TV show. There's a reason there aren't any toys that are being made for that show now and that they always pick. They pick the Batmobile that looks similar from the comic era, but it's never that Batmobile. And all of it is because there's been there's been a legal battle going on in the background about who owns the rights to that. That finally got worked out within the last year. So one of the things I'd been most excited about was knowing we were going to see Adam West Batman toys and the comic fair and you know this year's comic fair. There's pictures of the Adam West Batman toys. Um, there, there is also a picture here of Cyborg George Washington yes. with a rail gun. Fuck yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. He will kick you apart. <laughs> I mean, I've got to have Cyborg George Washington with a rail gun. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and there is... Uh, a Galactus bottle opener. Yes, I have no bottles to open, but I have to have that. Oh my god, it looks awesome! <laughs> and, and you oh know the, the little uh, the little Enterprise with Kirk sitting in it. Uh huh. In, in it's, it's so cute. I've, I have to own that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the part I squeed about was the Assassin's Creed's models. Yeah, I was so happy. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this well, all looks pretty cool. Yeah, and, th- and this isn't even all of it. Um, one of the things that has me psyched is that DC announced, um, you know how they do those Batman black and white statues? Yes. Based on, you know, all the different ones. They've had a Mahmoud one, a uh, Jim Lee one. I mean, just a ton yeah, of different. Yeah, there's I mean, like Jim like, Taro. I mean, there's like dozens of them, I think. Yeah, at this point. Now, just, they are doing a, uh, a, another line of Superman ones uh, called Superman Man of Steel that is all going to be like metallic paints. Um, you know, 
still be the blue and red, but they'll all be done with kind of a metallic sheen. And the first one came out this week, um, which was Superman designed by Frank Miller. And future, the next three are going to be uh, Jim Lee, Frank Quietly, and Brian Azzarello. And uh, they all look so good. Are you saying the Frank um, Miller one's already out? Yeah, the Frank Miller one came yeah. out this week. Oh, wow. Oh, it's awesome, yeah, see, too. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't want that one because it just I don't like that particular story that it's from. But I, I am excited about some of the others. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Brian Azzarello's any of the stories that he did around Superman, but his Superman art has been really good. Yeah. So I would I like that statue. The statue is awesome. It's the one where Superman's yeah. kind of crouched down and his uh, his cape is like flapping straight up in the air. It's really well done. In oh fact, my god, that looks amazing. Better. Yeah, mm-hmm. He draws an amazing Superman. I just don't like the writers. They've always paired him with when he's drawing it. But he is amazing when oh, it yeah. comes to the just the art and design of Superman. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did I say Brian Azzarello? I think – yeah, it is, is Brian Azzarello? Is he the artist? Or No, he's the writer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to have to get me this Superman. The, the Frank Miller one is really very striking. Oh, my God. That's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I, I got that one this week. Did you really? And, uh, yeah. Would you so pay for that, Paul, if you don't mind me asking? Um, you can the suggested retail price is eighty bucks. Uh huh. Um, you can probably find it cheaper. Uh, to be honest with you, online you can probably find it at least ten bucks cheaper at like things from another world. Uh huh. Um, or even Amazon. I've noticed Amazon has started carrying. Yeah, they're carrying thing. some stuff. My comic shop had one out on display in its uh, in one of its glass cases, so I've seen it up close and personal. Wow! That any, is- any savings Paul realized were evaporated when he had to ship it to where he is now. <laughs> well, it, it is but, but Paul is Paul is up in the Arctic building his one to one scale fortress of solitude. Nice. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> a true fan. He's just uh, having trouble lifting that key. <laughs> 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 so, uh, correction, Lee Bermejo is the artist. Brian Azzarello is typically the writer he's teamed with. But Lee Bermejo is the artist on that um, that cape-flapping statue. Wow. Uh, yeah, all of the art in those in those Superman stories were really good. I just didn't like the writing. Hmm. I'm, 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 I'm really excited about that line. And, you know, I was looking at some of the upcoming Batman black and white statues look great, too. It's just, you know, DC Direct really has some good stuff coming out. They have... Um, a line of characters, uh, they're DC characters, as imagined by uh, Artman Animation, guys who've the Wallace and Gromit. Right. So they have like a Superman and a Batman and a Robin. Kind of, they, they, they had a little short during one of the DC, um, the DC Nation hours on Cartoon Network. So I haven't have gotten you, into any of the Minimate stuff that I, because I see some of the Minimate stuff on here too. I haven't gotten into any of those because they're ridiculously expensive, but I want the old Batmobile Minimate. I'm not familiar with Mini Mates, really, but I'll have to check it out. I mean, there's just so much stuff coming out. There's a, a Joker action figure based on the uh, New 52 Joker with the, the face strapped on. Um, a Rags Morales Superman statue. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be broke. Well, you know, you can't own them all, but Paul is certainly willing to try. Well, I, you know, I I feel like I can like this is a collection that I could continue with. That, that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I find that a lot of the ones based on video games, not the statues, but some of the action figures based on the video games, mm-hmm. those come out amazing. Like the uh, some of the Arkham City ones, that Robin statue 
our action figure looks like a statue. I mean, that thing just is beautiful. And the same with some of the Joker ones that came out from there. It's been a big week for the Joker. It has been a big week for the Joker. He's been playing this for years. (laughs) So this week, Batman Death of the Family concluded. Batman number 17 with some epilogue books, uh, Batman and Robin 17 and Batgirl number 17. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about this book for months. I think it actually tied for our, maybe it won, for our best crossover of 2012. What did you guys think of the conclusion? Uh, I, I thought that it was fantastic. I was disappointed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little with Wayne. And I'm with Aaron. I, you know, I think, and I could see, because there are a lot of folks disappointed. In fact, the issue leaked two days early online, and people were already bad mouthing it. I'm like, ah, spoilers on here. Did yeah, help me. Out? Oh, hold on. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. I, of- I'm not saying I would ever do anything like downloading comics ahead of time, but let's say my disappointment did start a little bit before I actually bought the physical version of the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. Um, a lot of folks were very disappointed because no one actually dies. Um, and no one is actually gravely injured in, well, in the course of the book, but but the family does die. Exactly, it's you know, true they, to the uh, name and joke. It happens wins. all the time. Yeah, but yeah, but be fine. Well, I, I get that. But this is New Fifty Two, and in the New Fifty Two, for seventeen issues, the Bat family's been pretty happy. You know, you the got bat, they didn't really reset any of the Bat stuff, and that's the that's what bothered me about this. The right. Let me start off by saying I absolutely love the issue. I thought it was a I thought it was great writing. This is still one of the best Joker stories ever. The only reason I'm disappointed is because of the hype. The story itself, I think, stands on its own. It's an incredible story. This was a hype to be a big deal. This crossed over into all the other books. They made a big thing out of it. And then nothing important happened in the last issue. There's well, no injuries. The breakup of the family is nothing. It this is the cycle of Batman. This but, happens. But it's key Batman. in that Batman didn't break it up. Batman did everything he needed to do to keep his family together, and he lost. Joker won. Joker did exactly what he set out to do. He, I don't think Joker's intent was ever to really kill the family in terms of killing Robin, killing killing Nightwing. I think his intent was to destroy these relationships, which he set out to do, and he succeeded in doing. Yeah, the family well, and it does blames seem- Batman for not telling them everything to begin with. The family blames Batman for this or that. This happens. No, but the Batman th- cycle continues. But the Batman different- gathers everyone together. He has a close family. They break up. And then a year from now, something big is going to happen. He's going to call for their help, and they're all going to come back. Okay, but the it's difference- the same repeating cycle. Wayne, the difference is that Bruce isn't. It has not alienated the family from himself the family has alienated itself from bruce and bruce is the one who's like okay well, let's get together let's have a conversation and nobody shows up when was the last time batman called people together and they didn't come okay. you know what the I, last that, time we saw this uh, I'm, I, I'm sorry tim i was gonna say the last time we saw that batman really screwed up and everyone left him and everyone left him alone was eight years ago in infinite crisis you know with the brother eye stuff right you know, I mean, so this is you know, this is it's been, ever since then. It's been you know, Batman's a team player, um, and so you know, I, I think what's what's happened here. And yeah, we have seen it before because we've been reading comics for a long ass time. 
But um, you know, I think as far as the new fifty two, I think this is a status quo change. And it, you know, looking at the solicitations for the next couple of issues, it's something that's gonna stick around for a while. You know, he has essentially or Joker has essentially alienated Batman from his family. And um, yeah. you know, and, and the effects of the family were felt in each individual issue. Sure, some of them didn't have huge effects. Um, I think Batman are gonna be fine. Well but, uh, and we I don't really have huge impact. And we don't know what Joker whispered to each of them. Each of them's carrying a little something that oh, we're yeah. going to see roll roll out before, and so you know we're going we're going to get to get to see some of that roll forward in, into the next few stories. Um, I, it just seems like there's more impact in the satellite books than there are in the main book from this. I, I Nightwing my, had characters die, Batman didn't. Go ahead. I um I agree that it was a good book, and that I did like the the dialogue between Batman and Joker. But there had to be. There's one thing that was, should have been under that plate. If it was gonna, if it was gonna build up to, like, I think it's a B plus. I, I liked it. It could have been. It could have been the one of the better Batman stories ever. And I, they didn't have the balls to, to pull it off. And I understand that because it's comics and nothing changes. But goddamn, that could have been something. And it yes. was. And here's the thing. I do agree that it won't. You know, in the in the series of greatest Joker stories of all time. I don't know if people will call back to this one as much because it didn't have as significant impact a life, or, or, as significant an impact in Batman's life as some of the stories they even reference, like Death of Death in the Family or No Man's Land or Killing you know joke. books like that, Killing Joke, you know, uh, and it didn't have that. You know, it didn't have basically no one died. You know, no one died and no one was crippled, and I think that's what people were hoping for in the story. That being said, <laughs> though, I think it was extremely well written. I think it was successful in what it set out to do, which is alienate Batman from the rest of his family. And, uh, you know, I think it was a dynamite book. I think it was a great book. Uh, and definitely, uh, I think, just as successful as Night of the Owls. So I've said that uh, I do think this was a really good book. I think this is, you know, it's the disappointment comes from the hype, not from the actual story itself. This is just a standard Joker story pushed to the extreme, except nothing really changes in the end, as far as I'm concerned. The one thing I do th- that I do, you know, the one thing that I am annoyed by writing wise, there's only one part of the story that makes me feel that this isn't Batman, and that's when Bruce goes to meet Joker in Arkham and shows him the card. That does not seem like something that Bruce Wayne would ever do. That well, is too mind, close. It was, a young to, it was very even, young. Even young. It doesn't seem like something Bruce would do because he's essentially telling Joker Bruce Wayne is Batman by doing that. And I don't see him ever at any point in his life being that naive. Yeah, in this case, it ended up not mattering, but... It just doesn't seem like something that any version of Batman would do. Yeah, but he already figured Joker knew. That's my, you know, that that was his point. He figured Joker already knew, so he went to confront him, and Joker just didn't even care. Yeah. Um, yeah Joker that, didn't want to know. He doesn't want to know who Batman is under the mask. See, now I have a question for you guys about one particular panel in this. Oh, please say the panel I'm, I'm thinking of. <laughs> is it when Batman calls Joker darling? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I thought that wow, was, awesome. was that great? <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> when he called it because that was very much a Dark Knight yeah. thing. You know, that's very much a Frank Miller, you know, touch. And I thought that was I thought that was a really nice touch for that confrontation. Mm-hmm. What were you? What panel were you thinking of, Aaron? You know, there is a, a panel on this book that just leaps out at me, and it's after uh, 
Bruce escapes from the table. You know, there's this great scene where, you know, the entire Bat family is, you know, tied up to to this table. And, you know, Joker says, now, Batman, you can get up anytime you want. But just know that when you do, your family has been drenched in gasoline and the sparks will start flying. And so, you know, of course, they've all got these bloody uh, bandages on their face and the big, uh, you know, covered plates in front of them. So the fear is that their faces are under the covered uh, dishes. And so Batman gets up, rescues the family, unwraps Damien's face, and there's nothing wrong with his face. And there's this wonderful scene where where uh, Damien and Batman hug, and it's just a quiet panel, no text on it, uh, no no yeah. narrative at all, and it is a beautiful panel. I mean, Greg Capullo captured that moment so perfectly. Yeah, so everyone knows that I hate Damien. Uh-huh. I thought he was so well written in this book. Oh my god, I, this is the best Damien portrayal I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, and I posted this on Twitter earlier in the week that if they don't make that a Father's Day card, <laughs> they're crazy. Because yeah. I, I just, it was such an effective panel. Because for a moment, for a brief, brief moment, Damien's a little boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, just that, that page. Is it bad? Tell me I can, tell me I can take it. It's like, yeah. that is the best writing I've seen of Damien ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's perfect because first person he jumps to. It's James. It's Damien. Oh you yeah. Know, Dick, Dick Grayson is essentially his firstborn. Right. But, Dam- but Damien's his baby. Yeah. Essentially, you know. Yeah. He's the wee one. <laughs> yeah. And he just jumps right to it. Yeah. Right to Damien. You know, and that poor cat. I just gotta say, that poor cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so you know, the the book ends with uh, you know Joker falling down the, the big chasm and he loses his face. Yeah, I have to say that whole chasm scene that was. I love that idea of Joker actually was on board and he was hanging on the whole time until they got to the waterfall. And at that point, he let go because he didn't want to know who Batman was, that he could have. He could have kept holding on. He could have found out in the beginning who Batman was, but that would spoil his fun. So I, I love that mindset. So those two of you who did not enjoy the story as much as Paul and I did, let me ask you a question. If... Joker had killed Alfred. Would that have changed your enjoyment of this book? Without a doubt. Yeah. As much as I didn't want Alfred to die, if he would have done anything that was that I felt was more permanent, if he had killed any of them, if any of their faces had been taken off, even if they get sewed back on and long term, you know, it ends up being forgotten. If he did anything that was actually truly disgusting because they built it up he's been killing people like crazy in the storyline supporting casts and things i mean the things he did to nightwing and nightwing's book now that i've read through the stories leading up to it that means so much more Mm -hmm. but in the actual batman book the finale of this after all of this hype after all of the him getting darker he didn't actually do anything darker because paul you even said it yourself he wasn't trying to kill the family it well He's the Joker. I mean, that's the point, though. I mean, he's the Joker. You know, he he. They built it up as this is the new Joker. He's different. In the end, he wasn't different. He played a trick, and that was the point. You know, I mean, I I I I know it sounds like we're really disagreeing on this, but it sounds like we all enjoyed the book. We just, you know, some of us enjoyed the the metaphorical win of the Joker, whereas some was looking for more of a physical. Win. If they and, hadn't uh, hyped this book up, then I wouldn't be complaining about it at all. 
It was the hype that led to the disappointment because the book was good. The writing was good. The story was great. This will go down as one of my favorite Joker stories of all time. It just fell flat at the end for me. But that happens frequently. It could have been an A. It was a B+. And And to answer your question, Aaron, yeah, it had to be. It had to be. Alfred under there and when it wasn't and then they revealed what it was there was a moment like oh my god that's even better mm-hmm. and then it was nothing and to me I, I'm not I'm not going to rehash what Wayne said but I felt very much the same way that it's not a lasting impact I don't see it as a, a big win for the Joker well, you know, that's so my opinion the, but. you know I, I think between this you know, I think with, between Batman being alienated from his family and the rumoring is going to happen in Batman Incorporated number eight, I, um, I, I do think we're going to see a lasting impact on these books. Um, you know, and what we're talking about with uh, Batman or Batman Incorporated number eight is that uh, you know this week online the cover leaked from a retailer, the same retailer who got Amazing Spider-Man seven hundred early and tried to sell it on eBay. Um, somehow got, it's amazing they haven't closed his diamond account. <laughs> no joke. I mean, somehow got Batman Incorporated eight two weeks early and took a picture of the cover of the issue, which has not been released publicly. Um, and it's very much a callback to the Batman R.I.P. cover by Alec Ross, mm-hmm. except instead of Batman, it's Robin, and it says Robin R.I.P. Yeah, can I point out that in the Batman R.I.P. storyline, Batman didn't die in that storyline. He died over in the crossover instead. Final Crisis, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, that's it's just a cover. Everyone's throwing, making a big deal out of it, saying that this means Robin is going to be killed, that Damien's going to be killed. But covers lie constantly. Let, yeah, let true, me, but let, there's, so, there's a lot of evidence. On, Paul, hold on, Paul. Yes, let I, me say this. If I lose young Loki and Damien Wayne, y- you think Andrew lost his shit last week? <laughs> The fury of a thousand suns will be will be vanquished on this podcast. Yeah, and if they kill Damian Wayne in Batman Incorporated versus Batman and Robin or Batman, that would just be a that's just dumb. Well, it's not because Grant Morrison created the character. This was his creation, and this is his. I mean, Damian Wayne is his character that he led through his. I mean, the reason Damian Wayne is what he is is because Grant Morrison created him that way. And there there are other writers who have done a stellar job, but I mean. Grant Morrison set out to kill him a long time ago, and and I, I, I do I think he's going to die? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of evidence pointing towards it. You know, Damian Wayne is not listed or not mentioned in any solicitations for any comic in the Batman series after issue eight, um, and a lot of the books, even especially Batman and Robin, point to uh, Batman being alone and being distraught. So. There's a lot of evidence pointing that Damian Wayne may bite it uh, in Batman Incorporated number eight, and I'll be, ooh, that 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 is an impactful death because I really love that character. So my prediction is is that Damian Wayne will not die. That Damian Wayne is going to go off on his own. That they're going to continue this alienation, and that we may even see Batman and Robin morph into just Robin. I would be okay with that too. I mean, regardless, I think seeing Batman, you know, alienated from his family. So I, I would. Prefer- in, so in the event Damian Wayne dies, does the Batman and Robin comic switch over to a instead of a Batman and Damian Wayne becomes a Batman and Tim Drake book? No, uh, I don't think so. You know, there there's there have been rumors that Harper Row, maybe the next Robin. I have no idea who that is. What, what the fuck is that? 
<laughs> she was. Uh, did you not read Batman number twelve? No wonder Batman number twelve. There was a Batman number twelve. <laughs> <laughs> the issue between the Night of the Owl storyline and the Death of the Family storyline mm-hmm. introduced a character called Harper Rowe. She was actually in um, the Batman City of Owl storyline. She's the one who saves him after he gets um, he escapes the labyrinth under the city. Uh, she's like a computer expert. So what you're saying is that we're going to get another girl, Robin. That's not spoiler. (laughs) I think that's what you're saying is that is that, you know, you're going to get another girl, Robin. That's not spoiler. Fuck you, Wayne. I think that's what you're saying. No, no, no. See, I I have no problem with that because if they bring spoiler in as Robin, it's just so they can kill her. I don't want spoiler to be Robin. I want spoiler to stay as far away from Batman as possible. Because if she's anywhere near Batman, well, horrible things are going to happen to I, her. She is staying as far away from Batman as possible. She's not in continuity. That's true. <laughs> but let me just say that anytime you, you throw a set of boobs with the Batman symbol on it, if it's not Cassandra Kane, I could give a shit. So harsh. So harsh. No, it's, it's, you know, it's, I, uh, it's just a rumor. And you know, who knows? Damian Wayne may not die. I will be very sad. Love the character. And I think. To be honest, there are three other Robins that I think you could kill before you, <laughs> before I'd want to see you kill Damian Wayne. Because um, Tim Drake, you know, at, at this point, Tim Drake isn't the Tim Drake he can buy it. You know, Jason Todd, man, you can kill that guy three times over again. You, you know, can't even kill Dick- Jason Todd enough, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not for Paul, anyways. Completely <laughs> no, just, 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 from it. Um, but uh, so the, that kind of leads us into Batman and Robin 17, which is a uh, death of the family epilogue issue. Um, during basically uh, Bruce, Alfred and Damien's nightmares. And uh, what'd you guys think of this issue? I loved this book. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. There is, you know, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I didn't have any strong feelings either way. I, uh, I particularly enjoyed Alfred's dream. You know, uh, uh, Damien and, and Bruce are both having these conflicted dreams, but uh, Alfred has this dream where, you know, the Joker is in it and, you know, he's wailing on the Batman and all the Robins with a hammer. And, you know, uh, he sh- faces off with uh, Joker with a shotgun and he says, wipe that sick smile off your face, Joker. And Joker says, make me. And the next scene is a full page of Alfred shoot, you know, releasing both barrels of the shotgun and blowing Joker's head off. And so it cuts to Alfred asleep in bed, you know, wakes up, kind of considers what he just dreamed and goes back to sleep with a smile on his face. That that was the that was the that was the one panel that made me <laughs> change my mind. I was like, okay, this is worth buying. <laughs> that was pretty good. I thought it was you know, right. I also find the book to be very quotable. I mean, there's this wonderful page where uh Batman is talking to his parents, uh, and you know he has made a paper boat. Oh, it's, and, yeah, it's, like, it's the callback scene from earlier in the in the series. Yeah, and so he you know he he's built this boat, and his father says, "You can't just build a boat, son, and hope darkness magically sails away in it." And Bruce says, "Well, why not? It's my boat." <laughs> I just I love that. Which was the same thing that Damien said. Oh, yeah, so good. I love it. Yeah, it's it's very good. I, I I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of reminded me. Remember that, and I think everyone here watched Buffy. Remember that season no. of Buffy? Well, I think almost everyone here watched Buffy. <laughs> but there was a season of Buffy that had their climax, that climactic episode, like one episode early, and the final episode was all dreams, all about their dreams. I think it was season four or five. Uh huh. This kind of reminded me of that. 
in that you know it was like an insight and it was all character insight through their dreams and it wasn't necessarily told like the dreams made a whole lot of sense right some of the dreams were extremely nonsensical jumped locations and stuff from panel to panel because they're dreams right uh, well, and I, I thought that was really well done. And I normally don't care for this type of storytelling, you know, where everything's in the dream. But I thought this was just executed very well. Yeah, and it, I, it, I love insights into Damien's character like that. Yeah, you know, it, the, the fact that the, the final dream, you know, the way the book ended was just, you know, perfect. Yeah, yeah and I you know, through this, I didn't pick it up, but I thought it was a very interesting callback to the bird. Mm-hmm. If you remember in the early. Some of the earlier issues with Damien, I thought he was just a psychotic little twit when he's grabbing birds and are grabbing the bat and killing it in his hand. So when this bird lands in his hand as I'm flipping through, I'm like, oh, they're going to call back and make him a psychotic little twit again. Mm-hmm. But you show you see Damien actually has grown from those days. He's not the same character, even though this is just his dream. Right. Well, in the scene with him riding Titus down the hallways of the manor. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's just it it was an awfully good book. And, you know, there there was some whimsy to it. There was some darkness to it. Um, I just I I, I dug it. I dug it. I mean, it's, you know, Damian Wayne is much like young Loki. I mean, really grown as a character, which will make his death all the more tragic if it happens. Paul, do not do not light a fire. (laughs) Right now. <laughs> uh, we'll find out. I'm sure the book will leak early, so we'll find out sometime in the next two weeks. Well, similarly, Batgirl was an epilogue to Death of the Family as well, and it, and it shows a Barbara Gordon healing up after uh, all that's happened. And I got to tell you, I dug this book for one reason: is it really kind of captured some of Barbara Gordon's essence as Oracle? Because she does a lot of work behind the scenes on the computer, and you know she's finding you know guys that were part of the Joker gang and tipping off the police on where to get them. I dug that. I thought that was a really cool piece. This is the first issue without Gail Simone. Uh, you know, this is in, in that brief period where Gail Simone was fired from the book. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting different, an intri- interesting difference in the take on the character. So yeah. I didn't buy this book for one reason and one reason only. I really enjoyed the Batgirl tie-ins that they did with uh, Death of the Family. Mm-hmm. And I buy too many books and I just can't keep getting new books. I was really afraid if I picked up this issue, knowing it was going to be more of the Jimmy Gordon stuff. Yeah. You know, James Gordon Jr. That I would be hooked and I would buy this on a monthly basis. The only reason I didn't pick it up was I was afraid I would really like it and it would be one more monthly title. You know, for me, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm going to continue with the book, and um, I I like much of the same elements that Aaron liked. I don't necessarily like the writing style. Um, you know, because you know, Gail Simone wrote very much from Batgirl's point of view. Very much, you know, the 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 panels were, um, or you know, the were from. Barbara Gordon's, you know, mind, and this is very much written from a third-person point of view, and I don't necessarily care for that writing style. Mm-hmm. I don't now know that, if I'm going to stick with it. Now that leads to an interesting question because we've all been picking up, based not well, some of us have been picking up every single one of these bad books. Now that this, now that this series is over, uh, what do you guys pick? What 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 changes have you made with your polls? Oh. I'm going to drop Red Hood and Teen Titans like a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, you weren't buying them before. You just bought them as part of the the crossover, right? Agreed. I, I'm going to basically go back to my pre-crossover buying, which you know does not include Batgirl. Um, 
I just uh, I don't know if I'm going to like Batgirl, you know. And I I like James Gordon Jr. as a villain, but I have not liked his appearance in Batgirl as much as you guys have. And maybe because I really liked what Scott Snyder did with him in Detective Comics, I just I'm not digging it. So I, I think I'm out. I think on Batgirl. I'm, I, and I'm I think I'm going to stick it out till Gail Simone comes back because I think she's back on 19. Does that sound right, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It depends yeah. on the villain, I think, for me. Yeah. So I think I'm. I think because there's I, there's there's one more gap issue, and I enjoyed this one enough to to pick up the next. So I think I'm going to stick on Batgirl for the moment. I'm certainly going to stay on Batman, and I'm going to stay on Batman and Robin. I think the book I'm dropping though is Detective Comics. Really, the John Layman book. I like what John Layman's doing, but I'm not liking it enough. You know, and I, and I think it's because I'm not interested in this whole Emperor Penguin thing he's got going on. Yeah, I will give it a chance um, until issue. Uh, well, I, I was about to say issue 900. Uh, <laughs> issue. You got a lot of ways to go. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I think issue 19 is would have been issue 900 of Detective Comics, so they're celebrating it as issue 900. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's going to be 999. It'll be, I think it's probably seven ninety nine, but uh, I, I will probably pick it up, uh, and that may be my last issue because I'm I am enjoying what John Layman is doing. I, I wish it was a two ninety nine book. Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't be teetering. It was a two ninety nine book. It's just there's a lot of Batman and there's a lot of good Batman, and you know, you know, there's an, when there's an abundance of goodness, but it's all the same character. It, you you kind of have to choose the best appearance of the character. Sure. Yeah. So now, I Batman wasn't buying. Dark got dropped. I said I wasn't buying anything Batman before the crossover. The crossover brought me back into Batman. I don't I don't think I'm going to pick up much new, but the big surprise for me out of all of this is I've added Nightwing to my pull. And it was, I have too. I it have was too. part of this. It was part of the the interview that uh, Higgins did over on Fat Man on Batman, but I went out and I got the trade for the first you know, for the start of the run, I have the trade on order when it comes out for the uh, the quarter of the owls portion of the story, and just the writing in Nightwing is incredible. This guy really cares about the character, and he's making an you just a great story. So I'm definitely on board for Nightwing from this point on. Yeah. It's added to my regular pool. Yeah, I, so Nightwing fans. Actually, I do want to mention that night folks who really like Nightwing, the Nightwing Court of Owls trade paperback. That comes out, I think, in April or May, is only like eight bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I've got it pre-ordered already on Amazon. So as yeah, soon as I mean, it comes out, it's so going to be shipped. I'm, uh, I, I'm only, I think I'm only getting Batman and Robin again. I, even Batman? I, You're even dropping Batman? Oh yeah. Um, uh, I, I think Nightwing might get a flip through just because of how much uh, damage was done. I might want to see what their, what their recovery is on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm. Like I, I, I don't think I, I can deal with Batman right now. Well, I, I, I think that uh, you know just to harken back to Batman number seventeen, I, I just love seeing Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, two tremendous talents at the top of their game. I really enjoyed uh, what they did with Death of the Family. Thoroughly enjoyed the uh, Court of Owls and Night of the Owls stories. Um, I just, I'm, I'm excited for what's coming next. Did you hear, Aaron, that uh, Jonathan Glapian, the Inker, is leaving the title? No. Yes, the Inker is leaving the title. You know, they had a him and little and Greg Capullo had a little altercation on Twitter. Oh, really? Like a month or two back, and I wonder if it's related to that. Well, you know, you don't want to get Greg Capullo mad. That that guy, uh, that guy's you know pretty solid. He'll, yeah, uh, but he say, he says he's on Batman as long as Scott Snyder is. Yeah. Scott Snyder says he's not leaving anytime soon either. So yeah. sign me up. You know, yeah. they are a dynamite team. Well, Paul, 
in the pages of Injustice Gods Among Us. The digital pages, as it were. Yes. Um, You know, our good friend Superman has uh, punched out, pulled out, ripped out, however you want to characterize it, the Joker's (laughs) heart. So, you know, while the Joker managed to get away in the pages of Batman number 17, he messed with Lois. Superman had to settle some scores and punched his heart out. So Harley Quinn was involved in uh, putting that little uh, device in Lois's chest that, uh, you know, blew up Metropolis. So, you know, things can only end poorly for her, right? Oh, but wait, Superman's a gentleman. He wouldn't hit a girl. He wouldn't punch out a, a girl's heart, would he? Would he? Well, he punched his wife, into, his pregnant wife into space, so it's possible. I suppose. So that's the thinking of the Justice League is that maybe Harley's not safe and that perhaps she needs to go into protective custody. Yeah, you know, what you think is awesome. Let's use the Justice League. Let's send the non-powered member of the Justice League. And I'm not <laughs> saying this as a bad thing. But let's send Green Arrow to protect a criminal, Harley Quinn, from the most powerful man on Earth. And I just love that concept. Yeah. You know, I, I love that, you know, I, I love that, you know, let's protect bad guy from Superman. That's how angry Superman is. You know, and I know there are a lot of people crying foul on the story, but I just think it's crazy. Tim, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, I just think it's lip service. Oh, sure. We'll protect her. Who do we got here? <laughs> yeah, let's send, you know. Uh, What's Ar- Plastic Man doing this week? Yeah, Arrow McArrowson to, you know, hold off uh, <laughs> Superman. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought oh, you could hack that, right? Yeah. yeah. No, this has nothing to do with the fact that you slept with my wife. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, I uh, I thought this was a great story. It was a surprising story. I thought, um, you know, I was expecting more more of uh, Superman doing horrible things to people, and you had this great story between Harley and Green Arrow. Yeah, it's very. It's a surprising shift in tone, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, because in the, the last panel of the last issue, Superman, you know, stuck his hand through Joker's body, and now, you know, now it's this kind of quiet scene between Harley and Green Arrow. There's not a lot of fighting; it's mostly talking. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I just thought it was a, I thought it was a great done in one, you know, like quiet moment for this storyline. It, it was a nice little respite from everything that was going on. I thought it was a great, great issue. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got Harley who's mourning uh, Mr. J and, uh, you know, Green Arrow trying to protect her. I thought it was fantastic. Her making fun of his arrow car and the arrow cave, you know, and, and she, she, she even suggests a different name. You know, you call this the arrow cave? Yeah. Wouldn't Quiver have been a better name? Yeah, that's actually better. <laughs> 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 the ending of the book. I mean, it's it's got this like, just this dark comical feel to it. It's it's so well written. I'm yeah. really, I am genuinely surprised at how much I am enjoying a video game tie-in comic book. Yeah, no, it's now, really can, good. Can I say this? Is, sure. is this fair to say that they're trying to write incorruptible? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, incorruptible, I mean, invincible. You know, there's a little invincible in there too. You mean irredeemable, maybe? <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, I mean, invisible. like the the art with just the way that Lois bit it and the yeah, way he took out the Joker. Is, yeah, okay, I see what you're trying. I see what you're trying to say there. Yeah, just the, the graphic nature of the story goes back to Invincible for me. Well, yeah, it's, but, it's uh, a little different because in uh, like like in uh, Irredeemable, when when their version of Superman snaps, essentially it's not that he's pushed over the edge and he's just lashing out. 
that's more of a cerebral, okay, the first person I need to take out is the one guy who might be able to, you know, if this, if Superman would have gone straight for Batman in the story, they definitely would have been following that type of storyline. Well, there's no saying he's not going to. I mean, we're still early in the storyline, but his first action was to take out Joe. Yeah. I mean, I expect, I expect the Superman to, at some point after everything calms down, he's going to have a breakdown and, Oh my God, what have I done? And that's going to push him even more on the other side. I, I, I really think the writing is uh, the strength here. Cause I it mean, really the art's is. serviceable. I thought the I, art was much love... better in this issue. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's it the same artist. I don't think so. Uh, uh, but I, I, I felt like the art was much better in this issue over, over the last, but the only thing that it's, it's a uh, Bruno Redondo uh, on this book, it continues to be Tom Taylor, but the, the, uh, the previous book was uh, the previous issues were illustrated by Mike Miller, um, oh, okay. and and the, the the current artwork I thought was fantastic. The coloring seems a little off to me though. Like for instance, uh, Green Arrow's uh, hair is a little bit more brown and ruddy than you know you're used to seeing. You know, usually he's got you know just very striking blonde hair. Uh, everybody's coloring just seems to be a little off. Hmm. So hmm. Lois got punched into space. And uh, I felt like I got my balls kicked in the space when I bought Scarlet Spider 14. <laughs> Is that in a good way? No. <laughs> definitely not in a good way. I, I, I put my heart out there, Aaron. I, I, I know. Everybody you... said a lot of good things. Oh, the Spider-Man is really cool. He's not Peter Parker emo. He's he's a badass. And I, then they did what they did. Tim, I feel bad that this was uh, – because this is your jumping on point for Scarlet Spider, right? I read 12.1. Okay. And I and I missed thirteen, so I picked up fourteen. I hated fourteen. I hated this I'm, book with everything I had. I, I just I, I I struggled to get through the end of it. It was funny I, as I was reading it. It's like I just know that come Saturday, Aaron is going to have really hated this book. Oh God, I, I really did. I just See, I hated. I don't. That book. I didn't hate it because I actually enjoyed the other storyline back when they did it with Spider-Man. I know I may be one of the few people that did enjoy that storyline. I think you may have been one of the few people who read that storyline. I was picking up every Spider-Man yeah. book at the time. So it wasn't that I went out of my way to read it. I was already reading all of Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm aware that there was another storyline, but that's it. I mean, that, I mean, I remember when they were branding all of that, and Peter David was involved, and yada yada, and I didn't pick up any of that. And so when I saw I'm like, I think they're referencing the other storyline. Great. I don't have any desire to read that, and now I'm I'm questioning how long I'm I need to stay out of Scarlet Spider because I really did not so enjoy what I read. It goes against the feel of the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole mystical spider thing is not Kane at all. Yeah, I mean, I got it, to the end of that, and I'm like, and this is why I can't have nice things. Yeah, I, I no, no Spider-Man for me in this in Marvel right now. It was uh, it was not a good book. I did not care for it one little bit. You know, I'm not I, picking up another one. I saw a, I saw potential in it. I kind of saw this as I was reading it as a this is kind of an out of the way, more like a filler episode, you know, issue before he comes back. Until we get to that last page and we see the transformation. At that point, it's like, oh no, no, this has been a good book. This story needs to end now. Yeah, no, I, was, and I, well, I already re- wasn't excited about the werewolves. I didn't want werewolves yeah. in my Scarlet Spider to begin with, but yeah. I gave them. You know, the book's been so good up till now that I thought, you know, they won't screw it up, even if there's a one bad storyline with werewolves. But I'm uh, I'm nervous because this has been one of my favorite books yep. and I'm going to have to get through a storyline I don't think I'm going to enjoy at all before it gets good again. 
Yeah, it just it feels like it's not even written by the same guy as the first twelve issues. You know? Yeah. It, it is a complete tonal change for the series. You know, to go this far off the deep end. I'm, I'm hoping it'll turn around in the next issue, but wow. Yeah, I'm not okay for this issue either. But you know what I did like, Aaron? What's that? I loved the shit out of some Uncanny X-Men number one. That was a really good book. Oh, I loved no. it. Uh-oh. It was so damn good. <laughs> what are you saying, Tim? Uh, Paul, who who did the art on this book? Chris Bacalo. And you know what? His art was actually pretty awesome in this book. You're, you're smoking crack, Paul. No, it, it, it was not his typical everything doesn't make sense. I he he uh, raised he raised his game from an F to a D minus. I'll I'll give you that. But I picked up that book and I went ah, and I I threw it like it had rabies. <laughs> I uh, rather like the artwork in the book. God damn you yeah. guys! I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well for this book. Yeah, because it is you know considering Brian Bendis is writing all new X Men and this, they're very different feels. Mm-hmm. But man, this book was so good. Yeah, I enjoyed the way it was told. You know. I mean, the ending I saw coming a mile away. And, you know, and it's that Brian Bendis is basically doing for the Avengers, or X-Men, what he did for the Avengers. Yes. You know, because remember at the very end of the first issue of Avengers, of New Avengers number one, it was revealed that Spider-Woman was a, was a traitor. Right. And now at the end of uh, X-Men number one, it's revealed that... Uh, Magneto. That, I don't, Magneto. Oh, you didn't want to spoil that? Yeah, I wasn't going to. You, you didn't want to spoil that? Oh, okay. Oops. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're already streets ahead. Let's go. Yeah, bald Magneto. When did yeah. he shave his hair? I don't know. Well, you know, it, it, it gets hot in that helmet. So. And speaking of which, I love the character redesigns. I really like the new costumes. I like I love the new costume. I love the new Cyclops costume with the X visor. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I didn't much care for the Magneto redesign. Really? Oh, I like the Magneto redesign. I just thought this book was really well done. I, I like. I, I can't say anything bad about it, and yeah. I like how it ties with all new X Men. You know, I like. I, I think these books are going to interact more going yeah. forward, and you know, I, I I think it's gonna. I think it's a good time to be an X Men. No, 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 this, no, 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 no. They don't. I don't want no. them to interact. I like all new X Men. They already have to a certain extent. Uh, well, I'm disappointed in you guys. And to cap off my week of disappointment, Wolverine <laughs> the X Men 25 came out. Paul, were you as yeah. disappointed as I was, Tib? No, no but way. I didn't I'm get not. to read it. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, because I'm one of those grognards that actually buy a physical comic book still. But they and still make those. Day, they still make yeah, those. Huh? Yeah, back in my day. Weird. And so I asked if anybody wanted the digital code, and Wayne's like, "Sure." And so I sent it out. And somewhere between me sending it out to everybody and Wayne trying to use it, it got yanked. <laughs> what are you saying? Well, there's four people. There's five people on that email chain. Four of them are here. One of them bought the comic. <laughs> and Paul bought his own. So at least yeah. two suspects. And Aaron, Aaron is such Aaron is such a uh, braggart that he would he would claim that he don't. Uh, he, no, he, he would totally own it. <laughs> I'm just tickled by the whole thing. (laughs) Somewhere eating flapjacks, there's a man reading Wolverine in the X-Men 25. But Wayne, let me tell you something. I I saved you money and I saved you time. Andrew saved you time. I saved you money. This book sucked, Paul. You really thought it sucked? This book sucked. I hate the art. 
I we, let's introduce more people that I could give a crap less about. What is who the hell is Shark Girl? What what is that? She popped that's up about three issues ago. That's terrible. Actually, that no, that was almost ago. enough. That was almost enough in and of itself. Is it girls you, you know, don't like or sharks? It's it no, Shark Aaron. Girls. It's like you take one thing that you like and then you take <laughs> one thing you hate and then you put it together and it just still doesn't work. I think we're trying to figure out which one you hate. Yeah, is it sharks or girls you hate? I like sharks. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) Uh, um, I I I don't I don't like I've never liked any story set in the Savage Land either, and I just like I like the writing. I who's the art? Let me look this up. Like the person that writes this book, I I love his dialogue. I I like what he's doing with a lot of his characters, but I. I don't know. I felt like I got suckered in by that Storm Wolverine cover, and this is my stupidity tax. Yeah, Jason Aaron is the writer, and I think Ramon Perez is the artist on this storyline. I, you know, I didn't dislike it. I think it is a weak issue. Um, I think that, that the series has stretched too far with its cast of characters. Yeah, they need to trim yeah. the effing fat hard. Yeah, I mean, because they're not focusing on the characters that I bought the series for in the first place. No. Kitty Pride and, and Iceman and Brew and you know and, and those characters and Quentin Quire they're still focusing on a little bit but out of the original cast of characters he's the only one and you know that's why I buy the book I like those characters Shark Girl and Eye Boy I really Boy. big on those characters yeah, yeah. terrible um, I w- I will point out one bit of dialogue that I liked in this book it was between Quentin Quire and uh, Wolverine. And uh, they're talking about how things have changed. And he says – Wolverine says to Quentin, so the one time Bruce sneaks out of school, that's what happens. What does that tell you? He says that a bullet to the head can do wonders for someone's personality. So there's hope for you yet, Wolverine. <laughs> I love that dialogue. But god, I can't stand this cast of characters. Just, yeah, I mean, just I, Blob I, Herman I, alone is just terrible. Ugh. <laughs> I, I I got suckered in by Storm and Wolverine. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I, I don't. We'll see where the story here. Uh, I I'm gonna continue buying the book, at least the storyline. Maybe and I hope it turns it. around. Yeah, maybe maybe he, maybe he did. We should ask him next week. Yeah. We'll ask him. Aaron will think of it. So you know what else comes out next week? <laughs> Ravine comes out next week, which is the uh, Ron Mars Stepan Sage, uh oh, paper or not paper. It's the graphic novel. It is. And if mm-hmm. we have uh, had the good fortune of seeing the preview art for this book, and it is amazing. The, uh, the It is just as beautiful a book as it could possibly be. Yeah, it's uh, 15 bucks for like 160 pages. Um, big fan storytelling, supposedly the first of 12 planned graphic novels. Um, you know, like you said, gorgeous art. And it is it is a big chunky book. It's uh it's a lot of pages in there. And there's it's, it, it's too much for us to handle alone. So Aaron opened the opened the door to his basement and threw a copy down to Rob Hall. <laughs> there, yeah, he'll have a full review up on the website. But you know we are all agreed here. It is an amazingly beautiful book. Uh, the it is it is stunning what uh, Stepan Sayich has done there. Yeah, so. all right, beautiful. All right, Paul. Well, let's assume that we let you out of your Antarctic prison. What are you going to buy next week? Well, next week, Wrath of the First Lantern starts in Green Lantern 17. Justice League 17 includes the Throne of Atlantis storyline. Justice League of America number one. And, you know, Tim, I know you're anxious, but Justice League of America's Vibe number one comes out as well. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Nightwing number 17 comes out. 
um, from IBW, G.I. Joe number one, their new um, G.I. Joe title. Go, Joe! Countdown to Dark Number 2, continuing the, uh, the prequel comic for the new Star Trek Into Darkness movie. Um, and Nova number one from Marvel. Oh. Uh, actually, a bunch of Marvel next week, but Nova number one from Jeff Loeb and Ed McGuinness. I'm looking forward to Nova. Paul, how bad does Firestorm suck if they cut him and made a Vibe book? Pretty bad. That's that's I, terrible. We're, we're all in for I'm just vibe, saying right? vibe does vibe doesn't have its own podcast. I'm saying he we're will all, now. We're, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the Aquaman vibe, the Sound and Water <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> no, wait, no, 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 Aaron, are you buying vibe? I'm. Uh, uh, we are all in for vibe. All of us are getting vibe. And, this and, is like the Suicide Pact, where we tell you, Paul, you're going first. <laughs> and Tim, if you'll buy it and then give your digital code to Wayne so that Andrew can take it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for vibe. Not, not for, uh, yeah, not unless I get a hand injury between now and then. <laughs> so keep your fingers crossed, Wayne. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. Y'all have a good week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.